All right. Uh, go ye, kids. Go ye. And the rest of us, let's turn once again to the Sermon on the Mount. If you need a outline, wave your hand there. I think Brother Jason has some in the back. And tonight, as we keep moving through the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher ever, ever that ever preached, the Lord Jesus Christ, we deal with... Um, the next, hopefully, we'll start on, uh, deal with the next one and then uh, start on the next to last one as we are moving through the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And uh, as we look through our uh, text here, let's just go down. We just finished. Prayer. We talked about blessed are the meek and how that uh, prayer and giving, actually giving and prayer in that order are the two items that uh, God dealt with to deal with meekness operating under the authority and direction of another. Thank you. And uh, how that our giving and our praying needs to be at the direction and under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, then we get to blessed are the merciful. And it's interesting, only two verses here that really deal with uh, the idea of mercy. And there's only one thought that is here. Uh, many times, now when we get to pure in heart, Jesus is going to illustrate this in a multitude of ways. He's going to use uh, uh, fasting, treasures, light, our service, and then he's going to go into a complete uh, dissertation on how to uh, deal with earthly possessions, uh, all under pure in heart. But when it gets to merciful, two verses, only one thought. The idea is forgiveness. It is God's mercy that forgives us. I, uh, I, I like this definition, and I, I have not found this in any book or anywhere else, but just studying the Word of God and what mercy is, is mercy is bestowed upon the defeated by the victor. Uh, if you like uh, alliteration, mercy is given to the vanquished by the victor. Uh, the uh, whole idea here behind mercy, the whole thought, if you want to understand what mercy is, you must understand biblical forgiveness. And let's just read the text here. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And uh, it's plain to the point. There, there's just not a great deal that. Uh, you can uh, build upon. There's not a, a great amount of words here that need explaining. It says, uh, if, for if ye forgive men their trespasses. When people hurt you, 
When people injure you, when people insult you, when people try to hinder you, the Bible says we are to forgive them. Why? Because if we do not forgive other people their trespasses against us, God will not forgive our trespasses against Him. That's pretty serious, isn't it? And just as I was reading the text, I don't know uh, how many of you caught that. I was reading, and often when you read a familiar passage, you think you know it, and I almost put the heavenly adjective in there that is in the first verse into the second verse, but it's not there now, is it? You see, in verse 14, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Isn't it interesting that adjective describing who God is, where He lives, is left out of the second verse. There is a different relationship with God in verse 2 than there is in verse 1. The the first verse versus the second verse, verses 14 and 15 here. But before we go too much farther, I want you to understand something. You're, you're never going to understand what mercy is until you start at poor in spirit. And work your way through each one of these, uh, they're called beatitudes or states of blessedness. When you find, how many of you remember the relief when you finally understood that you could not save yourself? And you came to Jesus Christ and asked Him to save you. Amen? I'll tell you what, this morning's message... There's just a lot of people that never get to that second level of grace. They never, they never exchange their guilt, which is God's grace, which is a tool that the Holy Spirit of God uses to convict us, to make us want to come to Jesus. We never turn that in for the grace that saves us. Instead, we try to drown it with loud music and Alcohol, drugs, whatever, and we can go on and on. But listen, until you get a hold of poor in spirit, until mourning, again, is not something that you uh, engender or you, uh, uh, the, phrase that we, the phrase that we use is gin up, uh, uh, something that you get started in yourself. If you're really mourning, no one has to tell you to do so. In fact, you can't stop it. It's going to come out. Read the story of Nehemiah. As he stood before the king after praying for four months about Jerusalem, it finally got to a point to where the king says, Why is your countenance sad? It says he greatly feared because the king put people to death for less. That was the way the Persian king, some of the cruelest men in all of history. You told a bad joke. You could lose your life in the court of a Persian king. 
And here Nehemiah as the king's cupbearer. And, you know, the king was intimately interested in the health of the cupbearer. There had been more than one cupbearer that had been replaced because of an attempt to kill the king was foiled by the cupbearer. He died instead of the king dying. How many of you like that job? Uh, And yet, Nehemiah couldn't stop the emotion and the sorrow of his heart over the destruction of Jerusalem before the king. Mourning. And then we work up through meekness. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And now we get to merciful. Mercy is not a complicated subject. But I want you to grab a hold of this. You can't deal with a deeper subject. People who like to feign themselves, Bible scholars often talk about digging deep into the Word of God. I'll tell you what, you can't get any deeper than mercy. You cannot reach to the heart or the soul of the issue any deeper than forgiveness. To have a heart that is capable of forgiving other people for what they have done. There is nothing more central to the work and the testimony of Jesus Christ than the word forgiveness. I hate to tell the story uh, 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 too often. I hope I don't, but uh, some of you will uh, will remember the story once I started. But this was back before 9-11. I had, uh, he was actually a um, uh, Persian man. He was from Iran. And uh, he had made an appointment and he wanted, I found out soon after he got here, he was trying to convert me to Islam. I thought that, this is going to be good. And so he began showing me that, you know, Muhammad was in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I began explaining to him, uh, uh, no, that, that's not a proper name. You, you, Muhammad, is, he says it means sweetness. And the word sweetness is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and he said, that's Muhammad's name. I said, oh, no, it's not Muhammad's name. It's not a proper noun. It's not capitalized. It's an adjective. And uh, and then he said, no, no, it's right here in the New World Translation of the Bible. Now, how many of you know what that is? That's the Jehovah's Sickness, I mean, Witnesses version uh, of the Bible. Uh, The reason I like that uh, uh, slip of the tongue there is because they're not witnesses of Jehovah God. They're really a very sick, poor imitation of something that never really was. And, the, and, and I tried to explain to this fellow, I said, you quoting to me the New World Translation, and I couldn't remember the guy's name at the moment. I said, you remember that guy in England who wrote that book and everybody wanted to kill him? He knew who I was talking about. I said, 
If I came to you quoting that guy, I said, would you listen to me? No, never. I said, well, don't quote to me out of that. That's not a Bible. Oh, oh yes, it is. It's it. I said, see, you don't understand anything here. And, and we began going back and forth. And finally, I said, there's, there's, there is one word that separates your religion and mine. He said, what's that? I said, forgiveness. And he stood up and pounded on my desk and said, there is no forgiveness. I said, that's the difference between your God and mine. My God died to forgive my sins. Yours didn't. There is no forgiveness in your religion. Everything about Jesus Christ centers around the word forgiveness. And if you're going to be merciful, you have no right to hold against another human being. You say, but you don't know what they did. They, that person ought to be in jail for what they did to me. Well, there's no biblical uh, uh, injunction here that says you cannot have a person go to jail for breaking the law. But if you carry a, a bitterness in your heart toward another human being, the Bible says you can't do that. Have you ever met someone in bondage to bitterness? You, you can't stand, I can't stand to be around people like that. You, I mean, they walk in the room and the lights dim. It's, it is a terrible, terrible thing. The human person cannot sink any lower than they do under uh, what is called in Hebrews the root of bitterness. It says even Christian people are defiled by the root of bitterness. You see, when you get saved, the illustration Jesus uses is Matthew chapter 18, 10,000 talents versus 100 pence. Uh, we've been through this many times. 10,000 talents, each talent works out to 116 Roman pennies, 75 pounds of silver. It would be worth much more than that today, but uh, that works out to about 1.16 million days wages. Now, if you work an average five-day work week, uh, do the math. You, you couldn't earn a million days wages. Uh, Warren Buffett might have that much money, but he didn't earn it. Uh, you only get that kind of money out of dealing and stuff like that. We're not going to go there today, but it, it's... It's just an impossible amount. A hundred pence is a hundred days wages. Twenty, uh, five day work week. You, you figure that out. A hundred days. That's five months work. That's no small amount, my friend. Jesus is not saying and teaching that others' injuries against you is not real. It is real. 
But if you want to compare it to your injuries toward God, that's incomprehensible. And the Bible says if we don't forgive others, when I give my sin to God, I give it all to Him. I give everything I've done. I surrender my person. That's what it means. When thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord. That means I am signing over my life. Everything that is good about me, everything that is bad about me, and everything that uh, you would want to classify in between, God only knows good and evil. And, And our evil far outweighs our good, does it not? But when I sign over my accounts payable to God, what I owe Him for my sin, I also sign over my accounts owable. My accounts receivable is the actual word. What other people owe me. How other people have injured me. It all belongs to God. And yes, sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes people do things that cannot and will not be made right in this human existence. But are you going to choose to be a prisoner of that person that has hurt you or a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you be free from the injury or are you going to let it control you every moment of the rest of your life? This is what being merciful is. When I can forgive others... I am set free. I am set free from what others do to me and how they have hurt me. And guess what I'm also set free from? I'm set free from the guilt of what I've done. I'm able to lay aside that entire burden of my works. And if you want to be blessed, that's where you want to live, my friend. Could we say amen to that? And by the way, forgiveness in the Bible is always connected to, especially the Old Testament, what's forgiveness connected to? Sacrifice, payment. Amen? In the New Testament, forgiveness is connected to payment now, isn't it? How did you get forgiveness? Jesus paid for your sins. Is that not mercy? Hello? And this is a problem that we have, especially here in America. Because we use the word fair. It's not fair. I'm the one that gets the ticket, and that guy that blew past me at 95, he gets away free. Try explaining that to the police officer next time. Uh, Actually, don't. 
try explaining. That, that'll just get you a bigger ticket. Uh, that's not going to help. Do you know that Al Capone ran the largest and most effective soup kitchens in Depression-era Chicago? That he actually fed more hungry people than the government did. Of course, that's where he recruited all of his thugs and his henchmen for all of his evil deeds. He, he was not a dumb man, and when he was put on trial, he even had the audacity to say, but what about all the good things I've done? Uh, it didn't wash. And God's not going to accept anything but mercy. Mercy is too powerful and too wonderful. You cannot hoard it. You cannot store it. You cannot half give mercy. It's either 100% or it's nothing. Blessed are the merciful. If you're here tonight and you're still bound by what other people have done to you or are doing to you. You need to go back and start at poor in spirit and start working your way back through so that when you get here to merciful, you can understand that there is a proper system of reconciliation. God has forgiven me. I cannot withhold God's forgiveness from another human being. They can. They can choose not to receive God's forgiveness, but you cannot choose that for them. And when you try to make that choice, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to destroy yourself. I like Brother Thompson's definition of bitterness. It's drinking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. The only one that suffers is you. Be free. Attain that level of blessedness. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall obtain mercy. And by the way, when we all stand before God, is He going to let anybody get away with anything. Let me tell you, he's a just and a holy God. He is so careful. The record books in heaven record every sin committed in the history of mankind. I would... I would hate to be heaven's librarian. How about you? But when a person gets saved, every entry is marked, paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I wouldn't mind that job. How about you? 
But that's actually, I believe, the angels keep track of those things. Jesus is the one that knows every answer and every thing. But those books, it talks about having your name marked out of the book of life. It's not going to be that you weren't there. It's going to be that your name has been removed. It has been blotted out. That's a terrifying thought, is it not? These verses simply say, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And by the way, if you have no forgiveness, you do not have eternal life. That's the short and the long of it. Merciful is truly the deepest most far-reaching subject that we will deal with in the Sermon on the Mount. But how little space is given to it because there's nothing else that needs to be said. And so then we move on. If you get past this, then you can start working on pure in heart. Isn't it amazing that God spends more time, Jesus spends more time dealing with pure in heart than any of the other states of blessedness? I I think there's a correlation here to Jeremiah chapter 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If we're not careful, our heart will deceive us. Why do you think... Uh, The worldly philosophy is out there. Just follow your heart. Why is that out there? The fool seeketh to know his own heart, is what Solomon said. And and yet, everywhere we go, follow your heart. If If you truly love... What is that? If you truly love something, set it free. Let me see if I remember the rest of it. And if it comes back, it's yours to keep forever. And if it doesn't, hunt it down and kill it. No, I'm sorry. That, that's what we did in high school to the poet book there. And that, that, uh, that is more along the theme of most uh, mysteries and thrillers and things like that. There, there, no... Have you ever met somebody that's truly pure in heart? They're the most wonderful people in the world to be around. You know why? Because you can trust everything they say. And you can trust everything they do. Because someone that is pure in heart is not trying to manipulate you for their purposes. To be pure in heart removes you from the world of manipulation and control. It takes you past all of these things. And someone that is pure in heart... Why why is bribery such a problem with politicians? Because they're not pure. Well, some of them are. 
the love of money is the only thing that they're concerned about. Uh, the Bible tells us that's the root of all evil, the love of money. It's not money. If money were the root of all evil, we couldn't take an offering. We couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't do, you couldn't live. But money is not the problem. And by the way, you don't have to be rich to love money. Some of the greatest lovers of money are the poorest people. They spend their whole life dreaming about trying to get a little bit. But you know what? If you're pure in heart, there's only one thing that is the center of your heart. Pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in the earthly realm, probably the closest illustration of someone who is pure in heart or single in heart would be an Olympic athlete. You know, those people that compete in, in the Olympics. Uh, I heard a little blip. They just had the national spelling bee. And uh, the young man that won that spelling bee, uh, one of the commentators was describing his interview on uh, Good Morning America. And, and, it's, and he, he said, uh, you know, when the guy was there on Good Morning America, he could spell, but he couldn't do anything else. He wasn't even a human being. Uh, he couldn't hold a conversation. He couldn't say anything intelligent, but he could spell words that nobody ever heard of before. And, and uh, they played a little tape, just one of those words, and I'm, I still don't know what it is. They said it three times, but I, I've never heard the word, and I couldn't pronounce it, and won't even try. And, and by the way, spelling was one of those things that uh, we just never got along. Uh, spell checkers are wonderful things. And if you see any spelling or typing errors in your uh, outline, it's because the spell checker messed up, not me. Amen? But all they know how to do is swim or run or spell words. But someone who is pure in heart, all they can think about is Jesus. That is the single focus of their life. I don't care what your job description is and what your duties are. If you are pure in heart, you are doing those things as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a bartender, you cannot do that business unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to get another job. Uh, there are certain things you can't do that. Do unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the pure in heart. And what is the first thing that God deals, Jesus deals with as he begins this new subject here? He says, moreover, on top of this... When ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know, fasting is not limited to the scope of the Bible. Fasting has long since been the Buddhist fast. Uh, Islam, they're right now, I believe, during their feast, uh, they call it of Ramadan. 
And you're supposed to fast from sun up to sundown. But from sundown to sunrise, buddy, it's putting on the feed bag. And it's become, in certain circles, such a time of excess that you're half sick during the rest of the time when you're not supposed to eat. Uh, uh, Brother Mike was telling the story. He was coming over to our prayer meeting at 11 o'clock Friday night, and the uh, cab driver was Muslim, was just stuffing his face the whole way over there, saying, uh, it's Ramadan, I can only eat during the night. I can't even stop eating to drive uh, a fare in the cab. Uh, I'll tell you, that kind of fasting is not what God's talking about. There was a, a, a gentleman that wrote uh, a book on fasting, and, and it was had nothing to do with God. It was all about health and being in control. And, and uh, the idea of Buddhism is that of being in control of your body. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I have fasted and will fast, but I'm, I'm not going to do what that guy did. He was fasting like 40 days just so he could prove that he was in control of his body. What good has he done? Well, hey, you can not eat for 40 days. You're, you're a pretty strong guy, pretty strong individual. You're still alive. Uh, you're, what else can you say? But you're not one bit closer to God and you're not one bit better able to understand God's Word in the real scope of things, what have you accomplished except to get people to say, wow, he's accomplished something unusual. Uh, If I'm going to accomplish something unusual, maybe I'll learn to catch quarters off my elbow or something like that. Uh, Some of you will remember that craze from the uh, 1980s. But uh, fasting is... Read Isaiah 58. That's the chapter. Real fasting is something God tells us to do. Read the Old Testament. It was all through the Old Testament. Fasting and praying. And the whole idea uh, of fasting is to put aside things that are good and things that are right so that I can make more time to pray. You know, don't don't say, I'm fasting television. No, that's not fasting. Television is not necessary to life. I don't care what you say, what arguments you want to put forth, uh, you lose. Uh, but if you don't eat, you eventually will die. Uh, that's just the truth of it. And so... Fasting is taking time from necessary, normal things to make more time to pray. You should sleep. If you don't get proper sleep, do you know that you can go longer without food than you can without sleep? Uh, Somebody was asking me, why do we pray through the night? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying... Is there anybody out there that is not busy? Please let me know. We'll help you. Uh, we got enough stuff here to do to keep you busy and us busy till Jesus comes back. 
But when we tell God, I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping, because what I've got to pray about is more important, God recognizes that. If you're going to fast in a way that God accepts, you've got to have a pure heart. That's why it's the first thing on the list. True fasting will keep your heart pure, will keep you in the way. Jesus told the disciples, uh, uh, it's actually John's disciples asked, Jesus said, the disciples of the Pharisees, they fast, and, and we're John's disciples and we fast. Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? How many of you remember the answer? He said, while the bridegroom is here, they don't need to fast. In fact, it would be wrong for them to fast. But when the bridegroom's taken out, then they're going to fast. Do you remember when the father brought the demon-possessed son and the disciples couldn't do anything about it? And they said, Jesus, why couldn't we not heal him? He said, this kind goeth not forth, but by what? Fasting and prayer. Let's look at Acts chapter 13. I want us to get this here. Acts chapter 13. And it says in verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now, I want you to notice the pronoun there. They sent them away. Okay, so who did the sending in verse 3? The church. The church fasted. God gave them direction. Then they fasted and prayed some more. Then the church sent them away. Now, verse 4, so they... This is now not talking about the church. This is talking about Barnabas and Saul. So they, Barnabas and Saul, being sent forth by whom? The Holy Ghost. Wait wait a minute. Who sent them? The Holy Ghost. Who sent them? The church. What brought those two things into perfect agreement? Fasting and prayer. Amen? Being pure in heart. Everybody see that? And we'll just draw a line in the outline right there. And we'll pick up there, Lord willing, next Sunday night. Dear Heavenly Father, we...